Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. Once again, I have brought you a super exciting guest that's going to share some amazing knowledge nuggets with you. I know we had an incredible conversation when we first met, and I expect Mm -hmm. that to continue here today. So let me introduce you to today on the show, I'd like to welcome Gary Day Rodriguez, CEO of Peopleistic LLC and Corporate Executive Consultant. He has consulted and privately coached over almost 11,600 people throughout top organizations worldwide. He believes that investment in human equity is the differentiator between ordinary and extraordinary businesses. By educating and improving team members' lives, businesses are always rewarded with employee loyalty, innovation, brand promotion, and dedication, giving them a competitive advantage in their market. He has committed his career to transforming leaders who impact and inspire their teams by realizing the human potential. I am so excited. Thank you for joining us today, oh, Gary. It's such a pleasure. I really was excited to come here today. So you know, thank you, Casey. And I love this. I talk about <laughs> Jeff Crilly and Real News PR quite a bit. And you walk in like you own the place today. I'm like, you know these people? He's like, oh, we go way back. And But the reason I talk about Jeff is because he has such a great company culture mm. um, that I've seen for the last four years while I've been recording here. Um, and he calls it, thank God it's Monday. Yep. And so, and then I find out that you were brought in when they were in their startup phase. When so they this were, is like yeah, real life. When they were in their startup phase, it, it was really interesting because I had uh, just moved back from living in, in Australia and I knew no one in Dallas. No one. I, and I heard Jeff speak and I thought, I need to connect with him. So, so we met up and he said, so you do this? And I said, yes, I do consulting work and help build teams. I do a lot of, you know, executive coaching. He said, I'll trade you PR work for consulting work and get your name out there. And I was like, perfect. Done. <laughs> Done. <laughs> so um, he got me out there and uh, I landed quite a few jobs through, uh, through Jeff's work. And we started building up the culture of his organization. And then more people came in and more people came in. And then I got so busy that I no longer required to come to Jeff for, for work because he did such a good job. And, and he wants that oh, for his clients. Totally he wants, wants that. that. And so what, what actually occurred was then his business really started to grow and got really robust. And uh, so when I come here, I'm like, oh my God, it's so good, you guys. <laughs> it's amazing. So when you started working with him, were they in the office downstairs? I think they were in, it was a much, much smaller space. I want to say it was still on the seventh floor, but it was a much smaller space. So they have expanded this like exponentially. Well, we've moved. I, I think you're thinking of the place that they used to have on the first floor. It, no, it wasn't the first, was it? It could have been the first floor. Yeah, but anyway, so they moved there, then we moved to a different tower, and now we moved back here up to the seventh floor. Yeah. 
And yeah. so, and we still have the great highway scenes behind us, which he <laughs> loves. Too. He loves to have those. Um, but yeah, so that's just really impressive to know that. I mean, like I see your work firsthand every week. Mm. That's amazing. Well, they've been, they're an incredible group of people. They're um, incredibly talented. And I think most importantly, you know, any, any organization that is actively attempting to do good in the world, mm -hmm. to uplift people, there's a, a certain level of humanism about it that as soon as you begin to start investing in your human equity, I think that is your brand differentiator. And then being able to pay that forward out into the communities that you serve as your, you know, as your, as your revenue continues to rise and your brand power continues to get stronger. But it really has to do, in, in my opinion anyways, working from the inside out. <clears throat> so how do you take the teams that you are honored to lead and build up their ability to actually be leaders themselves pay that forward, actually create collaboration, innovation, turn your employees into entrepreneurs who are quite that. interested in being able to find new processes, new ideas, and be able to collaborate in a way that brings those ideas to fruition. So my, my whole entire passion is about helping teams and executives get to that point to where they can have that be the heart of the company culture. And it's possible to do, but I'll, I'll say this one thing. It really begins with, with the executive teams six or seven inches between the ears. Mm. Because if that isn't in place, if that isn't in lockstep with the values and purpose, then what happens, the whole thing begins to fall apart. I mean, the fish literally does rot from the head down. And, I've, and my experience, which is over 35 years, I've seen so many organizations that are wanting this culture, but the executive team hasn't done deep enough work to create absolute alignment between their word, thought, and action with their values and mission. And when they do that, managerial teams model that, the teams model the managerial teams. So <clears throat> it really does become this cascade from the executive, the CEO down, that this has to be right, has to be linked to this, Head and to has to be linked to your intuition as well and your gut. So when those three come together, we start having personal alignment, then we start having team alignment, and then we have organizational alignment. Okay, that was a lot. It was. You know, how do we know we're, you're qualified to talk about this? So tell us a little bit about yourself <laughs> and how you got to this where you are today so that you can just like spill such knowledge nuggets all over the place. Well, my whole purpose, um, you know, when you look at how do you define purpose, mm -hmm. many times go, well, what do I enjoy? What's my passion? For me, it was what I found intolerable. Mm. So when I, during the very onset of the AIDS crisis, uh, back in the early, early 80s, mm -hmm. when there were people walking down the street with an oxygen tank behind them and they were homeless because no one would take them in, their parents kicked them out of their homes. And, and these are the AIDS victims. These are the AIDS victims. Okay. And so what I began to look at is that no one knew what it was in right. the very, very early days. So I got furious, to tell you the truth. And I pulled together legislators from Sacramento, immunologists from all the major hospitals, people from the holistic community to come together and start doing open forums to educate the general public 
about what the heck was this thing. Slowly that emerged into five of us building an uh, organization called HARP, which was Holistic AIDS Response Program. Got it. And we built out all of that. And so what happened for me was I went on this quest to find how do I create change rapidly in a person's life if they only have three months to live? Like, how do you do that? Because you were healthy and you were literally a skeleton in three months. Mm. So I began on this fast track to discover what that is and what I could do. And um, I came across uh, neurolinguistic programming, uh, NLP, which is uh, you know, deemed and tagged you know, the science of human excellence. That evolved into humanistic neurolinguistic psychology, which is more of a higher kind of thought level to NLP and lots of different processes around that. So I've spent my life literally building, honing, training, teaching, and facilitating this science of human excellence, learning how to bring the right side of the brain, the left side of the brain, the unconscious mind together into one kind of whole brain thinking and directionalize it with passion towards that person that you know you're capable of being, but you, you, you can't get there yet because there's these patterns that are running unconsciously that stop us and block us and people can't figure it out. This is not an easy road. Mm -hmm. This is not. This is not like, oh, I'm gonna go to a seminar and I'm gonna be all happy and you know, sing and dance and do a few processes and boom, I'm healed. The, this is a very deep dive into what is happening neurologically within us, first of all, how that builds our emotional states. Our emotional states always drive our behavior. If we don't have mental emotional management skills, we can't possibly be consistent and congruent in mm -hmm. our leadership capabilities. I mean, Peter Drucker said it best. He said, you know, someone asked him, you know, define leadership. And he said, it's not about being clever or even smart. It's about being consistent and congruent. And you cannot be consistent and congruent if you do not have mental emotional management skills and you don't have your own past healed. Yes, absolutely. And I love that. So for those who may not know much about NLP, can you describe yeah, that absolutely. in just a couple of sentences? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was really uh, developed by Richard Bandler, John Grinder, and I believe Robert Diltz. There were a few key people that were, um, and Gregory Bateson acted as, as a mentor to, um, to both, to all three of those, those trainers, but some of them were professors at the University of Santa Cruz, and they began to start looking at the traditional psychological models as something that was um, like a dinosaur. It mm -hmm. lumbered along and it created change and it, it absolutely has its place in the trajectory of, of us becoming a you know, balanced and healthy human beings. But when, when I was looking at the whole process, I said, we don't have three years and talk therapy to wait. Right. You know, we have to create change like now. How do we do that? And so I wanted to follow a path of only studying the quick behavioral change processes that literally create miracles. Yeah. That literally create miracles. And so that's what I did. I mean, I was, I was on a call, where was I? I, was, I I'm doing this um, online course right now uh, for a group coaching called The Ultimate Mindset and uh, Coaching Intensive. And one of my old clients I saw two years ago was, on, was in the class 
And, uh, and I did a process, a breakthrough process with one of the students um, over Zoom. And, and she, he said, well, is this gonna last? And, and, and Jin said, well, you know, he did this process with me a year and a half ago. And she goes, it was a trauma that was so intense that if, if I got triggered or I even thought about it, my body would freeze. I would physically be immobile with fear. Huh. And she said, That's now, me on a mountaintop, by the way. She said, <laughs> now it's nothing. It's nothing. She says, it's a black and white photograph in a photo album. I know it happened, but it does not affect me emotionally whatsoever, ever again. I have unpacked that boulder off my back. And so there are techniques within this science that are so fast, so thorough, so quick, and permanent. Yeah, because you're basically rewiring change. your brain. You're rewiring your brain. Right? Okay. I just want to make sure I understood that correctly. I'm fascinated by the brain. I'm always talking about brain hacks and, you know, things that you can do. I'm, like, obsessed with the reticular activation system. Isn't it interesting? <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's like this fascinating kind of tool that it acts like a mini Facebook in our heads, you know. It, it eliminates yes, from our Yes, that's such a good way to say it. It does. It eliminates from our perspective... Contrary evidence to our conditioned beliefs. Oh, you say it so much better than I do. So that what happens then is that if people don't start broadening up the scope of where they they look outside of the windows of their eyes, if they don't broaden up that scope outside of their own belief system, what happens is it gets narrower and narrower and narrower. And this kind of work, because I don't know. I don't know if I even told you this, but I do these executive breakthrough sessions uh -huh. where people will fly in. I've had, you know, executives fly in from Hong Kong and, and from Taiwan and from around the country. And I sit with them in, in my office for three days, 10 to 12 hours a day. Oh my gosh. And we drill down on every limiting belief, every core trauma, all the childhood stuff that's unresolved because they know the reticular activating system is going to limit the way they see the world because they don't have the vision. They have this part of them conditioned by their beliefs that will eliminate all the contrary evidence. And if they want to be innovative and they want to be powerful and they want to be inclusive, then what has to happen is they have to make a personal transformation. I love that. I love that. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know, you're you're right. It does narrow, but I hadn't really thought about it needing to widen back up the way that you just described it. But that makes a lot of sense because I would tell people when I talk to them and when I do coaching, I'm like, you know, here's the thing. You get to tell your particular activation system what you want to see. And if you don't tell it, then it's got to decide. And that could be a mess. Well, it, it well, you have to remember this this one thing, you know, like like the subconscious mind is programmed by the conscious mind. Yes. Whatever it is we're fully focused on, whether it's it's our, you know, our compassion, our love, our genius, whatever it is, mm -hmm. then we just make that stronger inside of us. It's mm -hmm. it's like feeding there there's a there's a whole metaphor about the two wolves, you know, there's a gray wolf and a white wolf. Yep. And this little boy asks his grandfather, how are you? And the grandfather says, I'm at war within myself. And the boy goes, who's fighting? He said, a gray wolf and a white wolf. And the boy finally says, well, who's going to win? And the grandfather says, the one I feed. So whatever mm. we're feeding with our focus and our attention, that is what becomes stronger in us. This is why if we're bitter, if we're fearful, 
if we don't feel enough, but we wear a great mask, you know, whatever those limiting thoughts are, that begins to start building out the muscle on something that can turn into our little inner monster. So it becomes very important we understand how we're creating what we're creating and then be able to create it differently by choice. Oh, give me five on that one. I tell that's part of my speech is you get to create your own reality with every choice you make. Yep. If you want to be a victim, your brain's going to prove to you that you're a victim. Absolutely. And you have to work on that. You Absolutely. have to tend that inner landscape. And there, there's a whole process to it. There, there really is like this. I'm going to have to quote something. Quote, quote, <laughs> quote, 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 so quote, quote. This is one of my favorite quotes ever. And it's from the Dhammapatha from, from Buddha. And Buddha said, um, the thought manifests as the word. The word manifests as the deed. The deed turns into habit through repetition. The habit turns into character. Mm. So watch your words and your thoughts with care and let it spring for concern for all living things. Mm. For as the shadow follows the body, as you think and as you speak, so you become. Mm. Within, that, within that little quote is almost the entire process, the nano strategies of how we do everything. Now, how we build our reality. The one thing is not that is not defined is the thinking piece, which is where NLP comes in mm -hmm. and goes, how did you create you to be you? Yeah. Like, how did that happen? So key significant events occur. And what we do, because we're meaning-making creatures, we create constellations of beliefs around this one event. And we're doing it from the wisdom, intelligence, and life experience of a small child. Yes, yes, yes. And oh, that such happens good stuff. like on steroids between birth and seven. So a lot of what people will walk around, and especially people are really trying in startups and in businesses really trying to get to that next level of their success, but they feel like there's a blockage. They don't know what it is. They can't get to it. They don't know why they have the motivation. They don't know why they have the fear. And what begins to happen then is that if we do not look at how do we get to that place where things begin to start looking differently. One of, one of the, the key aspects of how the mind will work is we have to shift our language. Yes. We have to shift these core, the significant core events in our lives to have them feel neutral. That begins to open up the possibility of shifting the beliefs. There's a process in NLP called submodalities, which is really the language of the brain. And that, that's, there's a whole series of different steps to change limiting beliefs into empowered beliefs. So the fundamental work needs to be done. And when it's done, the leader begins to blossom at a whole nother level. I think I need a session. <laughs> we'll arrange it, darling. We can arrange it. You know, it's just so fascinating to me. So I had something come up the other day I want to share with you. And I think that I accidentally identified my own limiting belief. Not really, but but I was doing it to be cute. Um, but I was talking about, I was, I was giving my keynote and I was talking about, you know, who I thought I was or who I used to think I was. And I had a picture of myself and then I had a picture of my sisters and I because I, I thought they were cute, you know. And what was interesting is, and this came up during the keynote, not, it was not planned. So I, I used to think of myself only as that redheaded, freckle-faced, awkward little girl. OK? 
Okay, so I had a picture of that redheaded, freckled-faced, awkward little girl up there. But next to it was this picture of my sisters and I. And I have two younger sisters. I was a redhead. My middle sister was a brunette. My baby sister was a blonde. Now, what came up from that, I said, and I was just kind of joking. I was like, yeah, I just threw it up there to be cute. But I did want you to notice something that there's a redhead, brunette, and a blonde. And, you know, people made fun of us and said, which one's your daddy, the milkman? You laugh. Mm. I recognized there was trauma there. Yeah. Because I didn't know if they were kidding. They may not have been. I don't think they were. I think they were laughing and being mean. But, but that would that be the nexus, like what you were talking about? It can be, you know, because an experience for one person who's never experienced trauma before, um, that one experience can be can be ex really traumatic for them. But for other people who've had um, a more volatile mm -hmm. childhood, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a trauma for them. So it really it really depends on how that child has been brought into the world and what their initial experiences have been. Some children come into families that are violent from the get-go. And as a consequence, uh, I mean, it's all the statistics are that, that it damages the brain so much trauma and unresolved trauma, it actually can shrink the brain's size. <clears throat> it can actually turn off different sections of the brain so they it doesn't even fire can off. you grow it back if you've resolved the trauma uh, well that's that's my belief system because i do think it can be turned around okay because what there's different types of trauma it was like acute trauma there's transgenerational trauma there's compounded trauma of small uncomfortable events that happen over a period of time but together it creates this you know this evidence that this has to be real because it has been my life experience for my whole life. So people will build up these very, very, um, I will say steel structures of evidence that their beliefs are absolutely unquestionably true. But in actuality, it's filtered through what we have made up from a very young child and then chosen to believe that interpretation. Yeah. And the more evidence we get, the more solidified the belief becomes. And the more we think it and feel it and focus on it, and it the more evidence we see yep. because of the reticular activating system. Oh so gosh. we start to build these monoliths of blockages within us. <clears throat> and literally, no one really sees them on the outside. Uh, I, I, there's no way I can express to you how many times I walk into an executive team and there's discord and there's, there's small power struggles mm -hmm. or large power struggles. And you start looking at why is there such misalignment? But until you do the deep dive coaching to help people understand themselves first, you don't resolve it. I mean, Stanford University Advisory Council on Leadership was asked, what is the one component that absolutely has to be present for leadership to expand itself and be actualized? And they unanimous, unanimously voted self-awareness. Oh. And so self-awareness is about what the heck's happening inside of me. Why am I not this incredibly magnanimous person who's out there slaying it, 
has has a heart to create a team that's so loyal to me and I have the congruency and consistency to know that they have my back and they are working towards the ultimate objective of our you know year end goals. We have to remember it takes many, many hours, if not days, if not years, to win the trust of others. Many hours, and it takes one conversation to break it. Ugh, that is so true. So tell me real quick, tell me a little bit about Peopleistic and, you know, the services you offer and, you know, what makes you and your coaching unique and different from others? Okay. Uh, Peopleistic is an international organization. Um, Our main offices are in uh, Perth, Australia, and I have an office here in Dallas. That is, we've, we've built our whole organization on this one principle. We got published by Bloomsbury Publishing House uh, several years ago. We wrote out the strategies for how to install humanistic business into organizations. It's really a 10-step process of the different cultural norms that need to be within an organization to actually have greater profitability. There was a study done over 10 years as well that compared the, the, um, the progress and the profit margins of the good to great companies mm-hmm. to the profit margins of companies that would be considered conscious capitalism. And over a 10 year period of time, those companies that were doing more of a, a conscious capitalistic approach, building culture, empowering their employees, doing lateral problem solving, increasing people's training and helping them actually find more happiness on the job, those organizations were creating 900% greater profit than the good to great companies over a 10 year period of time. Wow. That was not a study done by us. This was a study done by a whole nother set of consultants. So what I know is whether those numbers are absolutely accurate or not accurate, I know that it increases profitability. Like if you look at what Jeff's done. Yeah. I mean, Jeff went from this very, very small organization. He had like two studios. I know. Now he's got eight. I know. <laughs> to this explosive place because primarily of the of the leader he is, the heart he has, the the absolute congruent, consistent intention to help people and do good by people. And he does. He does. And so here we have it. You know, we, we look at ourselves and our organizations. We may want that. We may really, really want that in organizations, but how do we get there? Mm-hmm. And you have to have a dynamic team who is aligned and who is demonstrating the values and purpose of the organization in word, thought, and action congruently eight to 10 hours a day. You know, I just want to give a real quick shout out to VIP because I we were just sitting there talking because um, one of our marketing girls is here with me helping me with the mm, podcast yeah. on the back end. And we were sitting there talking and we're like, I can't remember the last time somebody left VIP. We've been hiring like crazy, but nobody awesome. leaves. That's right. You have a great culture. We have a fantastic culture. Yeah. And it's one of those that... And, and she was just telling me that she was just having a, you know, um, conference with our managing partner. And she said, Casey, and she's fairly new. She's been with us about a year. She goes, he asked me what I wanted to do. And I'm like, yeah, that's the kind of place you work in. That's right. Well, you know, uh, I think it was Google. I think it was Google. Um, that they, they, 
was at Microsoft. It's one of those okay. countries. <laughs> um, but there was, a, there was a project called Project Aristotle. And Project Aristotle is the organization spent millions of dollars trying to figure out what the heck created high-performing teams. Mm -hmm. Like, what was the secret sauce that made that happen? They did every combination of, of different types of employees, put them together in teams, and see what happened. Nothing worked. Nothing produced the high performance except for one team. And this is why managerial training, having the managers be as aligned as possible to the executive team's vision, the managerial team, it was one manager who is the brand ambassador for the executive team's vision, mm -hmm. one manager who said, we're going, to, we're going to tackle some of the historical problems in this department. And we're going to do it collaboratively. Um, they did a, a thinking strategy because this is where I developed a lot of what I do in organizations. I have a seven perspective problem solving and thinking strategy with another process called alignment, core alignment, that we put together, solve historical problems, but everyone gets a voice. Everyone is honored. Everyone is respected. And then if you look at Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of human needs, for self-actualization, people have to be able to problem solve because then they feel validated yep. and they feel appreciated. And that's one of the primary ways that people start to feel inspired to be on a team. So this project Aristotle turned out that, that this one team, their productivity went like this. The rest of the teams, flat. Same as it always was, but this team did it better. You have to impassion your people with a vision and a purpose and most importantly, you have to create a culture of caring, innovation, problem solving, having a voice, validation, and appreciation. I love it. I could sit here and talk to you all day. I can't ask you another question, though, because we're almost out of time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just keep talking, as you know. This, though, I am absolutely fascinated by what you've said here today. I just, mm. I, I've gotten so much out of this conversation, and I know that our audience will too, but <clears throat> I know they would be mad at me if I didn't ask you our VIP questions. Go for it. <laughs> All right, if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? What three things or people would I take with me? I would, um, I would take my meditation pillow. Oh, perfect. <laughs> um, I would, uh, You know, I, I know this is going to sound really terrible, or maybe not, but I think if I was going to colonize on Mars, I would want to bring a, um, a beautiful couple that were madly in love that could produce beautiful children, and I would, keep, I would teach the children to create a different kind of society uh, on Mars. I don't think that sounds stupid at all. I, I think that's, that's what beautiful. I would do. Create just a whole new eco whole new thing yeah teach kids because I, I got a passion for training teenagers I rolled out a whole um, a whole youth leadership program through the uh, DeSoto School District and um, I got for years I kept getting letters from the kids that I trained saying you have no idea how my life has changed since mm -hmm. I did your training and this is what how it's impacted our family and kids need help right now they really really need help 
and it breaks my heart to see so little being done to teach them how to think, how to function, how to have a mindset for success, and a mindset of leadership, and a mindset of courage, because, my God, they need it desperately. They absolutely do, and that breaks my heart as well. I know. I it's get a just little verklempt, yeah. but it's, it's important. It is important. All right, so what's one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? Hmm. Um, I take care of my body. So I eat uh, like a Spartan. I only eat nutrient-rich foods, um, super important to me. And, um, and I meditate a good hour and a half every morning. Wow. Um, then I do a thing called the five Tibetans, which is an ancient set of exercises that gets the spinal fluid flowing through the spine. It literally youths you. I'm but, still hung up on the hour and a half meditation because I think I'm doing really good if I get 20 minutes in. <laughs> well, I've been doing this for a really long time. And, and for me, if I can center myself, align myself to my purpose and my and my values every morning for an hour and still my mind. Yes. Because human beings are like a glass of milk. Like if, if you have unhealed issues, it's like a child stirring the milk. The cream, the richness inherent in the mm -hmm. milk can never rise to the surface. Human beings are exactly the same way. If we can still our minds enough, the love we are naturally rises to the surface. Mm. And more of us have to stop with the total wrangling and externalization of shiny objects and where we live, the cars we drive and how we dress and all that. I mean, I like all that stuff, but it can't be the core of us. It can't be what defines us. So it has to be, in my opinion anyways, for me, it's the good I do in the world, the people I'm able to touch, the love I'm able to feel, the appreciation I can have, that is what defines me. And that's what I do and remind myself to align to that every morning. Because I see a boatload of clients over Zoom and if I'm not aligned, I'm not in, I'm not in the best space to help. This is very true. So if your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? Hmm. Uh, it would be man figures out how to resolve deep trauma in no more than 30 minutes. Ooh, I like that. Mm, but it's true. I believe you. We're going to talk after this. You and me, man. You and me. Okay. So how do people find you? Because I know they're going to want to find you. Okay. Um, I'd love to give out my personal email. Would that be okay? That's fine. Yeah. Because I communicate a lot through, through email. But it's Gary at Peopleistic dot com and it's just the word people with i s t i c after the last e so peopleistic gary at peopleistic.com that's the best way to find me and my website is peopleistic.com <laughs> <laughs> make it easy on it uh, but feel feel free to just email me and we'll create a conversation i love that i love that well this has been fascinating. I knew it was going to be an amazing conversation. Didn't go the direction I intended, but that's okay. I like the direction it went. <laughs> Good. So uh, much better, much better. So I just have one last thing to say to sure. you, Gary. You are a VIP. Thank you, darling. I'll take that. <laughs> and that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.